Care Bears and other classic toys are back in vogue, sparking fistfights over licensing rights. Lauren Detter An unsettled retail landscape means manufacturers are counting on tried-and-true nostalgia brands like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Furby, making it tougher than ever for entrepreneurs to get shares of the lucrative businesses. By Lauren Detter, Forbes staff It took Jay Foreman an entire year to land Care Bears, winning the license to make collectible versions of the 80s line of stuffed bears in 2020 by proposing a new playbook for the brand. He vowed to make the bears more attractive to older kids and even college students by adding bright new colors, giving them more personality and persuading Target and Walmart to move them out of the preschool aisle. We had to fight to get it, said Foreman, CEO of Toymaker Basic Fun, annual sales, $160 million, which has won licensing rights to manufacture toys for a stable of memory lane brands, including Tonka Trucks, Light Bright, Lincoln Logs and My Little Pony. Getting licenses is more difficult than it's ever been. Toy entrepreneurs are in heated chases for the licensing rights to decades-old toys, looking to cash in on the enduring appeal of nostalgia. The competition is driving up licensing costs and making it harder to score exclusivity, meaning more companies are sharing licensing rights to the same brands. While a major licensing agreement might have cost $100,000 a few years ago, that same deal might now cost $500,000 to $1 million, said Jonathan Cathy, CEO of Loyal Subjects, a toymaker that has certain licensing rights to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Teletubbies, Strawberry Shortcake, Rainbow Bright and others. He said he's seen royalty rates rise from 6% or 8% to 12% or higher in some cases. While costs have gone way up in the last decade, they have come down a bit recently, according to Foreman. That's because there's a lot of pressure to keep prices low for consumers, he said. Those that emerge with a license are rewarded with toys they can market to a built-in audience, starting with the growing number of grown-ups who are buying toys for themselves, 25% of all toy sales, or about $9 billion worth, are now driven by those 12 and older, according to market research firm Circana, formerly known as the NPD Group. Those adults are also scooping up modern versions of classic toys for their children. Tugging at the heartstrings of a parent, or even a grandparent, is a fantastic way to market your product, Julie Lennett, a Circana toy analyst, told Forbes. It used to be that demand for retro toys would ebb and flow, said James Son, editor of The Toy Book, an industry trade publication, but many of the classic toys that became popular during the pandemic remain in high demand. It just stuck around, and it's only gotten bigger every year, Zahn said. Retailers also tend to favor classic toys during periods of economic volatility because they offer more predictable, stable sales, said Amanda Sialetti, a vice president at Informa Markets, which runs the Licensing Expo Conference, where thousands of brands, manufacturers and retailers get together to discuss licensing deals. That gives classic toys a leg up in securing coveted shelf space at stores, especially since nobody is quite sure how shoppers will spend their money this holiday season. Signals have been mixed. Inflation and higher interest rates have pushed up the cost of groceries, gas and mortgage payments and pandemic-era stimuli like the pause on student loan payments are over. A survey by the conference board found that consumers plan to spend slightly less than they did in 2022. Other forecasts are more optimistic. The National Retail Federation said it expects holiday spending to rise as much as 4% from last year to reach record levels. 
Further clouding the crystal ball was Cyber Monday spending, which hit a record $12.4 billion, up almost 10% from last year, according to Adobe Analytics. More caution. In keeping with that uncertainty, retailers have placed orders more cautiously this year. They're mindful of mistakes they made last year when they loaded up on merchandise at a time when Americans were shifting their spending to restaurants, movies, and vacations. It took months of markdowns for Target, Walmart, and others to get rid of unwanted inventory. Retail shelf space is limited and consumer dollars are being more thoughtfully spent, Siletti said. Retailers favor classic toys because they're tried and true. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, for instance, are enjoying a banner year. It's because of superfans like a 40-year-old who lives in San Francisco and asked that his name not be used. He's been an enthusiast since he was five and saw the cartoon on TV. As a kid, he collected 40 action figures and remembers standing in a line that wrapped around the corner to see the movie in theaters in 1990. Fast forward and now his son is into the turtles. They've watched the old cartoons together, read comic books and hunted down original action figures at flea markets. This summer, they saw the new Seth Rogen movie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, and bought some of the retro-looking action figures sold by Walmart for $10 apiece. This is the brand's third big reboot and is shaping up to be the biggest yet, according to Carl Aranian, who heads marketing and product development at Playmates, which is the master toy licensee for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The company released dozens of new toys this year, more than half of which were classic turtles styled after the originals. The new movie has helped drive sales. Turtles has that evergreen appeal that if the content is done right, it can come back time and again, Aaron Ian told Forbes. Despite Playmates' history with the brand that dates back to its original release, its license isn't as all-encompassing as it once was, said Aaron Ian. Paramount, whose Nickelodeon purchased Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for $60 million in 2009, has farmed out rights to other companies, mostly in the collectible space. Multiple licensees. Slicensing, the industry term for a company's decision to divide the rights to its intellectual property among multiple licensees, has become increasingly common. For instance, one company may get permission to make 4-inch toys, another to make 6- to 7-inch versions, another to make 8-inch versions and another to make 12-inch ones. It may be split even further along price, with one company selling toys for $20 to $40 and another for $75 and up. They can be split yet again by distribution, with one company permitted to sell at big box stores and another permitted to sell at comic book stores and other specialty retailers. Licensors see it as a way to maximize sales and minimize risk, but have to be mindful of the danger of cannibalizing sales if they flood the market with too many similar items. It's very rare to get an exclusive now, said Foreman of Basic Fun. Companies are getting into fistfights over the rights to prized brands, said Kathy of Loyal Subjects. The bare minimum to get in the room is robust experience in manufacturing, supply chain and retail distribution to show you can make, ship and sell the toys without a hitch. You've got to swing a check, plus have the whole infrastructure in place to secure it, Kathy told Forbes. 
Kathy said he was recently given 10 days to prepare a pitch, with the licensor asking for concepts, a marketing plan, distribution plan, launch strategy and more. He used to have 60 days to prepare for these meetings, he said. When you're holding the cat's meow, you have the ability to say jump and everyone says how high, Kathy said. Everyone is gunning for it. The Barbie Effect While big companies like Hasbro, Mattel and Disney have been recycling their intellectual property for ages, this year's smash success of Barbie was yet another reminder that there are gobs of money to be made in rebooting a classic brand by pairing new merch with fresh entertainment. Greta Gerwig's movie alone has done over $1.4 billion in global box office sales. Mattel sold $350 million in Barbie dolls this summer, up 25% from the previous year. The company has been well-served by its strategy to grow its IP-driven toy business and do more entertainment, CEO Anand Kreis said in the company's earnings call in October. Sales of Furby, the hit robot from the 90s, are off to a strong start after Hasbro released an upgraded version earlier this year as part of its corporate strategy to double down on existing intellectual property, which includes 1,500 legacy brands. As part of that, the company is leaning into licensing, like signing agreements for other companies to come out with toys for Transformers, My Littlest Pet Shop and Easy Bake. We've seen a notable increase in demand from consumers, and thus licensees and retailers, for more from our classic properties, Casey Collins, Hasbro's president of licensed consumer products, told Forbes. We're making an all-in bet as a company to be the best in the business at understanding our fans and delivering on their wants, and the power of nostalgia is clear. There's definitely more competition, but there's also more opportunity, said Alan Dorfman, CEO of Super Impulse, which sells miniature versions of classic toys like the Power Rangers, Hot Wheels and Mr. Potato Head. Some of the larger companies that have held onto rights for years see classics are not getting attention and are starting to offload them and license them out. It took Brian Flynn, CEO of toy company Super 7, several years to get certain rights to G.I. Joe, first showing Hasbro he could be successful with brands like Power Rangers and Transformers. It's like remodeling the house, Flynn said. I have to convince you I can get the paint done first. You're not just going to let me start by tearing the walls out. More from Forbes